We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If I ventured in the slipstream. This episode of Inside Golf Podcast is brought to you by Run Pure Sports. Having the time of my life over there. Continue to be humbled and proud of the community that we are building. The discourse, even on Mexico Open Week this morning, electric. We are in there talking golf 24-7. We're talking weather stuff. We got a lot of caddy stuff in there. Uh, it's just the most fun place to talk golf. It's active 24-7 golf community. You can ask me anything. That's where I'm posting all of my info, answering questions. I'm in there 24-7, all of my nuggets, all of my in-depth articles. So rumpyoursports.com, promo code Andy to get you that 15% discount. We have got a golf only option. Try it out for a week. Uh, shoot me in the message. Shoot me a message in the Discord if you do. Let me know how I can help you get acquainted in any way possible. We would love to have you as part of that community. All right, coming up on this podcast, a very fun one. Uh, bringing on my friend, Boston Capper, one of my favorite people to podcast with. We have not done this in a while, but I wanted to get him on to talk about the new Apple TV Patriots documentary. Uh, which I am thoroughly enjoying. So we talk a little bit of the Patriot stock. We talk a little Brady Mahomes, a little linger, couple lingering thoughts I had from the Super Bowl that I never got to get out there. We also, of course, break down the betting board for the Mexico Championship, share a bunch of outright plays that I'm on. I've my thoughts on Mexico have been able to condense a little bit over the last 24 hours from the last podcast that I did. So I talk about a lot of the longer shot guys, the best numbers, the bets that I've made. We, we get a little Mexico in there as well. We also talk, I thought uh, after Riviera was a great time to kind of do a state of the union on how we're feeling about the Masters. I think Riviera... Not breaking any news here, but Riviera is probably the most correlated test to the Masters that we are going to see all year on the PGA Tour. And Masters is sneaking up on us. Masters coming up in under two months. So I thought it was a really good time to talk a little bit about where are we at for guys at the Masters. Stock up, stock down. We talked Scheffler's putter, Rory, Zalatoris, 
JT, Hideki, a uh, lot of lot of masters guys because i think i i'm starting to think about the masters a lot more clearly after riviera and we're we're getting into crunch time now with only about i think six six weeks out six or seven weeks out from augusta uh and then in the final part of the episode talk a little oscars preview uh we recap some of the movies that we have seen this year some of our favorite movies of 2023 uh we got the oscars coming up uh i think it's coming up in two and a half maybe three weeks so uh we talk a little bit of oscars as well it's a jam-packed episode we cover a lot of ground on here always a blast with boston capper uh so without further ado let's bring him on all right boston capper is here golf gambling podcast one of my favorite people to podcast with it's been a long time yeah uh, i was saving you for for a little bit later, I, I make my entire yearly podcast schedule and then deviate from it a ridiculous amount. But then I watched the uh, the Patriot Stock Dynasty and I just needed somebody to talk about it with. Yeah, I'm your guy. I knew you'd be the perfect man for the job. So give me your. So how many episodes have you seen? There's been two of them that came out. Did an, did the other two drop last night? The other night? two haven't dropped yet. They drop on Thursday nights at midnight. So I've watched the first two. I've so watched you, the first two as well. Okay. Yeah. So you got to remember, right? So you don't know this, but my first day of boot camp was September 4th, 2001. So I went into boot camp with Drew Bledsoe being the starting quarterback. And when I got out, <laughs> some fucking guy named Tom... Brady was the starting quarterback, and I had no idea what the hell was going on. Right, <laughs> so, so I missed, I missed, you know, nine, ten weeks of the season. But the this this glorification of Bledsoe, listen, dude, I was screaming for Michael Bishop. Like, every, nobody wanted Bledsoe. Like, he just got this stupid contract. That we he he was the definition of a lawn chair quarterback, and he would always have some sort of uh, nick up. And like they're making him seem like he was fucking Dan Marino in his prime when Tom Brady took over. They from made him. that decision by Belichick seem very controversial. At the and time. it wasn't. Was it, it wasn't. not? Everyone wanted Brady in Boston. Like all the Boston sports radio guys were, were saying Brady's the guy. Yeah. So it was actually kind of split, right? So there's two papers in Boston. There's the Globe and there's the Herald. And so the Globe uh, was like Dan Shaughnessy. Shaughnessy's um, great. Yeah, and so like, are you old enough to remember Will McDonough? Yeah, a little bit. I'm a huge Bill Simmons guy, so I know all okay. that Boston. Extended. Okay, so you know, I know so you, you, you're, you guys you're like do the inside best baseball sports radio. Yeah, I love yeah. So, it. I okay, love it. okay. Yeah. So yeah, so Will McDonough was like the leading voice of football, really, like in, in the nation, right? Not just Boston. Like he was like the go-to source, like sports reporters, all that shit. And he wanted uh, Bledsoe, but Harold wanted Brady. The fans wanted Brady. Like I said, I mean, dude, if you wanted Michael Bishop, you would take anything, right? Anything at all. Like we, we were just done with Bledsoe. Like I, I, th this retelling is just trying to rewrite history and craft is now trying to take credit for like the decision. They said the biggest decision we have to make for 22 years, they've been stuffing it down my throat that bill makes all the football decisions. So now Kraft wants credit. I don't think so. It's, yeah, it's annoying. You know, what was kind of my first takeaway was, I think it's great that you get you got Kraft, Belichick, and Brady to all sit for interviews. Yeah. But it's it's a bit of an interesting juxtaposition because you can tell that all three of them have different perspectives on how yeah. everything went down. So Belichick will say something and then Kraft will give his take 
and Brady will give his take. And you can kind of just see that none of them are completely on the same page anymore in, in 2024, which yeah. is, that's like good filmmaking. I'm glad yeah, that you absolutely. get all of these three perspectives, but you can tell that I, I'm curious to see where it goes because you can see that things between those three probably fell apart. Down oh, there. it absolutely fell apart. All the Seth Wickersham stories, like, like that came out with the division and listen, I mean, first it's hilarious. Bill looks like a fucking, like it's like a hostage video. Like he doesn't look like he's being held hostage to fucking do this interview. Um, and yeah, I mean, Belichick pushed Brady out the door. It started with fucking Garoppolo. It goes back that far. He has this famous quote that Boston radio plays over and over and over again. Uh, he's asked about Brady and he says, listen, we all know about Brady's age and contract situation. That's why they drafted Garoppolo. <laughs> and like, yeah. and it started there and, and it's, it's crazy. Like, I, so I don't know if you saw the cut. It's, it's uh it was one of the super cuts and Edelman was like, Brady was like a beat dog and that just kept going back to fucking bill. And like, yeah, it's, it, it was finally enough. And it's crazy when I hear him say like, I wasn't going back. Like, does it matter? Like if they offered me the money or not, I wasn't going back. And that, and supposedly Kraft was on the phone with him that night, tried to get him to stay. Uh, and he was just like, no, I'm out. And so Bill pushed him out the fucking door and which is fine. If Bill had his, you know, if he thought he was done fine, but he had no plan. Okay. So that's the really, that's the maddening thing about it. Like Bill believed so much in his system that he didn't think Brady made a difference. He thought he could win a Super Bowl with Cam Newton. Like he waited until you remember, he waited until like fucking yeah. July to yeah. sign a quarterback after Brady, after the greatest to ever do it. He had no plan. Other than he thinks that his scheme is more important. It, it's it's more about the X's and O's than than the Joes. And that's it. It's it's maddening. And listen, I my criticism of Belichick has been pretty bad over the last couple of years, but the, the frustration level reached like this this point where it was like we fed this bullshit of this Patriot way. Uh, look at all these teams spending money. We don't have to pay anybody. Blah, 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 blah. You know, the Patriots fans, like we're yeah. assholes. Like, you know, like we were being complete dicks about it. Look at I all know. you dummies. I was hanging uh, out with a bunch um, of Boston guys in, in LA with, with Kirshner and, and, uh, on Saturday night, you want to know it was the first thing that I actually thought of. And I, I don't know if you picked up on this, but I'm curious to get your, your take. Cause this was, this is the immediately the first thing that I thought of okay. is remember when remember when uh, LeBron won the bubble title and yeah. then and then the last dance came out like a month yeah. later. Yes, absolutely. There's, there's shades of this here. Now, oh. I know this documentary has been in the works probably for a very long time, but yeah. for them to drop this. A week after Mahomes wins his third Super Bowl, and I know they probably didn't know that Mahomes is going to win the Super Bowl and firmly enter that conversation. Maybe not enter it in your opinion, but I would say widespread. I've just seen on Twitter a lot of people beginning to have the Brady Mahomes yeah, debate. Full of, this full of a bunch of fucking idiots. Yeah, this right? had, so, so, this had so Brady big time so, shades. Of, let, let me just, just remind you of who's the top dog here. Yes, right. So it, it's hilarious. It, you're 100 percent right. That's what I thought about too. And it's funny. So Mahomes wins the Super Bowl and Belichick gets fired. Now let's throw all the Patriots porn out there. Remember how good we used to be, guys? Remember how good we used to be? Remember Vrabel and Tyler? They were awesome. Remember, please don't look at my roster and how I've had the least spending cash team for the last fucking seven years in the NFL. 
Like, don't look at here. Don't look over here. Look at the good times. Uh, so, but I will say, listen, Mahomes is a fucking stud. I love the kid. Love to watch him. I'm not one of these fucking Patriots fans who like roots for him to lose. I don't. He's fucking awesome to watch. Um, however, my my bone to pick is assholes like Nick Wright. Like that guy's a douchebag. And and the fact that I Brady think Nick Wright's pretty good at his job. Like, he's good at his job, but he's a, he, he's under, a douche. he understands how. Oh yeah, he knows what works. he's doing. Yeah, yeah he knows yeah. what he's doing. Like he, he riles guys like me up, right? So, but so Brady. He didn't even get into the conversation with being in the same Montana until he, he really, until he won his fifth, you know what I mean? Like, and, and I get that. I get that. Mahomes was, has been the star other. I mean, look, he had a shitty, he, he didn't have the best performance, right? Good, good, good last drive. The touchdown, the first touchdown. He didn't, was he didn't honestly, he didn't play. He had a bad regular season. Statistically, yeah. it was Mahomes yeah. worst regular season statistically. And then, I think between the second half of the AFC championship game and the first half of the Super Bowl, he scored like three points. Yeah. So, I mean, look, regardless, regardless of that, what I'm saying is, is like, look, Mahomes is a different animal than Tom Brady. Right. And the game is so different than it was in 01. Like, of course, Mahomes is going to pass him in passing yards. Like, it's just the way the game goes. The same way Brady and Manning blew away everybody from fucking 20 years prior. It's just the way it goes. Right. Like. Yeah. And the game now is all running gun, right? It's chuck the fucking ball. It's basically, it's like definitely can't touch the quarterback. Man, you go back and watch some of these fucking hits Brady took in this Patriots porn, man. You forget that people always shat on Brady for like wanting flags and stuff. But this is a man who has been laid the fuck out by Brian Erlacher, Ray Lewis, Troy Polamalu, like fucking Terrell Suggs studs. You know what I mean? Michael Strahan, your boy ragdolled his ass in fucking in 07 and i just it's just, it's just a different it, it's it's not apples to apples i like my homes and look if he does it he does it but it is annoying as fuck that it's right after like i don't get time to like soak it up right i don't get time to soak it up it's so it is kind of annoying I think with Mahomes, it's it's kind of fair, man. Like it it, it is there he's is the eye test element of it, of oh, yeah, course. Um, but it's also, you know, he kind of combines the freak athleticism, like being able to make all of the throws that Rogers has with the regular season um numbers that like yep. Peyton has. And then on top of that, you get the crazy wild playoff success yep. that that Brady has. And I, I think probably what is what would be scary if I was uh trying to maintain the argument that he's not gonna pass Brady and Brady's, you know, he doesn't deserve to be in this conversation. My my retort to that would be is this was probably the Chiefs' most difficult path to a Super Bowl with their least amount of offensive weapons around him. I mean, let's not forget that he had a 34 year old Travis Kelsey who like wasn't good during the regular season. I know he came out of the playoffs, but like we forget so quickly, like before he started dating Taylor Swift and everything, this is like a bad regular season for Kelsey. Plenty of smart people, football people were saying he's washed up. Rasheed Rice still, we had no idea what that guy was going to turn into. I thought this 49ers team was unbelievable um like I, I thought this was one of the best shanahan teams that i've seen i thought it was this was a better 49ers team than the garoppolo team. team and 
you know, I thought this was the best Lamar team that he's ever been put around either. And you could maybe even argue this is the best Allen team that he's ever been uh, put around. No, I would, I would say, I would so say two years. I, my point is just years. like if Mahomes is going to do it this year, I know. Listen, when this I felt you. like the perfect year for it not to be the Chiefs' year, then I guess the comeback to that is he didn't have to deal with Burrow. Burrow still right. feels like the guy. And whatever. That, so he dealt with enough good quarterbacks that anybody who throws that up is literally just being a baby, right? Like he's just being a baby. So Brady had to go through Peyton Roethlisberger, you know, like Flacco, you know what I mean? Like we had, we had our guys yet to go through. Mahomes has got his guys. He has to go through. It's just, just the way it is. And look that this team really reminded me. I thought they were going to fizzle out in the AFC because I thought this, this was like exactly like the 2006 fucking Patriots. Like, Horrible regular season. Nobody on the fucking team. Some still ha- somehow made it to the fucking AFC championship game against Indy. Had a 21-point lead at halftime and fucking fell apart in the second half. And and then Peyton went on to go play Rex fucking Grossman in the Bears to get his the easiest Super Bowl of all time because it's Rex Grossman that, I was at and that the Bears. In Miami. I remember Where, that one. where yeah, are you? That was the one Super Bowl I ever went to with my dad. I was like 12. That's um, awesome. But I remember that one. Okay, we got a lot to get to. Are you ready Come for on. my next topic? Yeah, what you got? Okay, you're going to the Masters. Yeah, baby. Okay, so here's what I'm going to here's what how I'm going to lay out what I'm going to lay out for you because I was thinking about right. this after Riviera. Um, I'm not the first person to make the Riviera Augusta comp, right? That is uh, that is wild though. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a massive correlation for you know, between success at Augusta and Riviera, I can give you a million reasons why that is based on the golf course and the skills required at the golf course. But I do think it's fair to say that like, this is probably the strongest litmus test of this type of skill heading into the masters, which is sneaking up yeah. on us, by the way, it's, no, like it's less, less, less than two months away. I know. Yeah. I'm so excited. Um, I think you're going to learn more about who's in the best shape for the masters based on what they do at Riviera versus what they do at Bay Hill and TBC Zagras. There's never, there's never any, there's never every correlation to that. Totally different golf courses agronomically and strategically. Right. So as we sit now, I guess a month and a half away from the, from the masters, like if you're making your masters power rankings, did anyone make big moves for you after Riviera? Because I think there's like a couple obvious trending up candidates and a couple yeah. obvious trending down candidates for me. But I'm curious if we have the same guys. Yeah. So the down is very easy. It's the it's the whatever. The, what's the twins from uh, the disgusting brothers? Like, yeah, fuck those I, guys. I, I'm I so was, done with them. I, I was done betting them in majors um, yeah. before the season started. So they yeah. didn't even factor. I was going like. Let's have a Scheffler Rory conversation. Yeah, like, listen, I, listen. I, I wouldn't even I I I I wouldn't even consider betting Xander Cantlay at a no, match at this point. No, no shot. It, it is fun. So I don't know if I downgrade Rory as much. I feel like Rory is just kind of he's Rory, right? Like I, his his play really hasn't changed. What's incredible with Scotty is his fucking T to green numbers and the fact that he hasn't boat raced everybody with like the amount of wins and majors that he. Sh- should have had over this last what 12 15 month run and he legitimately can't pot like it's in his head like it you know what i mean like it's in his head and for whatever reason he cannot shake it and i don't know I, I, and he's gonna go off of what like eight to one like oh thank you like i'll pass 
Okay, so let's start with Scheffler because I and then there's something I want to say about Rory too. But if this isn't rock bottom, then then I don't know what is. And and I was at this tournament. I got to see a little bit of Scheffler. Um, I didn't watch a ton of him. I did notice on one specific call, and you didn't even have to be at this tournament to notice this. Like this is visible on the telecast too. Yeah, the guy seems like he's very close to a breaking point. And my question, and my, and my question for Scheffler would be, you know, you're going to play twice before Augusta. Okay. You're going to play Bay Hill and you're going to play the players championship. If you don't make some form of change at Bay Hill, whether it is a new grip, whether it is the broomstick, whether it is the hiring of a new coach. I would be, and I think it's very possible that he just continues the status quo because it seems like he's very stubborn about this. Mm-hmm. Like yep. he doesn't want to talk about it. He doesn't want to acknowledge. Ever. He nope. doesn't want to acknowledge that that it's a problem. He, he's like he's like the alcoholic that everybody around him is like, yeah, buddy. Like you're at the bar every single night. Like, <laughs> right. like yeah. are we gonna ever talk about this? And he's like, no, it's no, I'm good. Every, I'm, I'm good. good. Um, you see that game last night? <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and it's like yeah. it, it's it would be such a disservice to the ball striking run that he's currently on to roll into Augusta because now is the time. If you're going to make a change, you have to do it now, now. right? Not, you got to do it Masters. now. You can't do it yeah. at the Masters. Remember no. how that worked out for Xander when he debuted yeah. a new putting style at Torrey Pines for the you first were, week? You were, you I was so livid. livid. I you was livid. livid. <laughs> yeah, I was livid. So. I'm so fascinated to see like if Scotty Scheffler tries something new in Florida and if he doesn't, God, I, I just, it's so my, it's so mind boggling to me. Do you think you're going to, do you think we're going to see him do anything different? I just can't imagine he rolls into Augusta with the status quo. That's the I definition of insanity. He's just, it is. And I think he's that type of guy. Cause I look, I know he looks my age. I know he looks 40, but he's like, Fucking what, like 28? You know what yeah, I mean? Like he's my age. Yeah. Yeah. And so he's still stubborn enough where he's like, this is not wrong. It's every, like, and I was talking about this the other night about a completely different thing, but just how like golfers' mindsets are. How, you know, most of these guys are like kind of coddle babies, the AAU culture type shit. It's never them. It's the equipment. It's the wrong course fit. I had a sore shoulder, whatever. Like, can't yeah. lay this weekend. I had the fucking flu. Right. So get out of here. He, like, he didn't have the flu. So it, it's, I just think he he thinks he, listen, he's number one in the world for a reason, right? And so he thinks that it's going to fix itself, and I don't think it is. And he is—he seems very stubborn, like you said. I think he needs to make a change. I would, dude. If he went to if he went to the broomstick, buddy, I think that would be yeah insane. He would crush. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think the fact that he's had success with this specific mallet and grip in the past is is holding him back because he yeah. he's he's always going to be able to say I won a masters doing this but you also, argument, right? you also have a a year plus sample size of this area of his game holding him back from you know potentially growing on one of the greatest ball striking runs that he, we've ever seen he could have he could have gone on the greatest run in golf yeah. history 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Would have been up there. It would have been like, yeah, it would have been the ball striking's pretty close to Tiger. I mean, you get him into it, it could have been one of the mid 2000s Tiger season if he was a, a positive putter. Yeah. Certainly. Certainly. Yeah. So, um, what's your thing about Rory? I know you're a Rory guy. I've actually come around on Rory lately. Okay. I felt like yeah, I was well, he's, too hard he's, on him. Yeah. He's winning the Masters. Um, <laughs> 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 you know, because. I never get nice things in my life from a sports perspective. And, you know, my dad and I have been talking about going to the masters together since I was five years old. So, you know, it's just, it's serendipitous. We're due, right? I mean, this, this nothing, nothing in my sports life, I would say a close second is a next championship. Um, but nothing in my sports life would make me happier than being there with my dad, seeing Rory win a major right now. What's interesting to me about this Rory situation is I would be a little bit harder on him than you are in terms of like, hey, it doesn't really matter what Rory does before Augusta leading in. I would agree in the sense that like whether Rory wins Riviera or not, yeah, it makes no matter. It doesn't change Rory's yeah, no. career trajectory, how we think about him as a golfer. But I I think him finishing 66 that pebble and 24th at Riviera, which is a phenomenal golf course for him. He should, he should win it every year. Yeah. That's not nothing. Okay. Um, and you know, he's got time. Yeah. Um, but like I said, I thought what happens at Riviera is a, a really good litmus test of yeah. where your game is at on that style of course. And, you know, I, I was having this debate on a show I did earlier today with Wiley, um, he was arguing that Rory could stink at Bay Hill and the players and people would still be fawning over Rory at Augusta. And 100%. I, and I push back because, and maybe it's my Rory fan goggles thinking that the world yeah. hates him, but the world does not hate him. You know that, right? Uh, uh, Rory's like really polarizing, man. Like a I, lot of yeah, anybody you that's you, every, so anybody that's you pay attention to the lip people way too hates, much. Hates. Pay I don't. I, I don't anymore. I've gotten a lot better at that. I don't pay attention to those people anymore. But that is a segment of golf fans. That I mean, he's he's a lot more polarizing than Scotty or Justin oh, yeah. Thomas or, or Jordan. Scotty's milk toast. Who like right. there are I a lot of because yeah. he's milk toast. But that's right. just me. Right. There are a lot of Rory detractors out there. So my point was, um, I think that we are a mediocre Florida away from like the perfect Rory situation for me, where everybody's off him. This guy sucks. 18 to one, lower ownership on DraftKings. 18 to one Rory at Augusta? Fucking sign me up. I well, okay, maybe 18 to one's aggressive, but Capper, yeah. hear me out on this for a second. Like, there are a lot of people out there, a lot of smart golf minds out there that have been done with Rory at majors for years. Okay. Yeah. Like, yeah. there's a strong camp of people that thinks anytime smart people, I think it's a very fair take. Yeah. That are like, dude, we've been doing this for 10 years. Yeah, like, no, what I do you, what do you think is going to change? Okay. Yeah. The scar tissue keeps building. He's not getting any younger. He's starting to leave his athletic prime. It's not like he's lighting the world on fire on these PGA tour signature events. Like what are you doing? Betting this guy at 10 to one anymore. And I started to feel that build a little bit 
last year towards the end yeah. when it was just mm-hmm. like, God damn, like how many times are we going to do this with this guy? So I was making the case that I, I do, I do think there's a chance that if Rory keeps playing mediocre golf, he's got to get through Florida. I think there's an amazing chance he smashes in Florida. Like Bay Hills, great course for him. Obviously he's one of the players, but yeah, um, the players are so wonky. Personally for, anybody, yeah, it, yeah. right. Personally for selfish reasons. Like I, I would like Rory to not be the guy. Right. Heading in, heading into Augusta. Yeah, I mean, look. So you know me, man. I, I was definitely a Rory detractor, right? I'm like, this guy's not going to fucking win. Like, I didn't. I just, I didn't believe in him. That Cam Smith British Open was so happy for me, and I know it was miserable. It's the worst for you. day of my life. I know. I know it was miserable for you. I didn't even. I didn't even gloat to you. I was like, I'm going to leave fucking Andy alone. Like, I'm not going to do anything. Yeah. Like, Andy is very that's upset right now. Yeah, <laughs> so, I, and look. So. It goes down to the clutch thing, right? And so what's crazy is he was such a stud, right? Like no one worried about him in majors when he was younger. And then all of a sudden it started to go. And now the narrative starts to shift a little bit. The pressure builds up. The pressure builds up. The pressure builds up. Expectations, you know what I mean? And I don't think you lose clutch. I think he needs to just separate himself a little bit from the noise, right? And and that's what I mean, that's what a lot of great coaches say, right? Like don't don't listen to the noise. And the noise is everybody, you know, fawning all over him or people saying he's fucking toast. Don't listen to anybody. Believe in his own talent. Don't play fucking Augusta, however many holes he played last year before the tournament happened. Don't bring a sports psychologist with you to analyze you before and after a fucking round. Bring your wife and kids, play golf, how you play golf. And you he, you know he's good enough to go out and fucking get these guys. Like he, I really feel like that's the approach he needs to take. It's that it's not that he cares about the noise, but he hears the noise. I know he hears the noise, he right? Does. And that's why he stepped down from the PGA, uh, stupid player board thing. Uh, good, I'm glad he told Mon- Monahan to go fuck himself. Like, yeah. it's, it's, like he, that guy screwed him. Like he used him as a puppet. And I think that's when I actually started coming around on Rory when he finally told him to go fuck himself and realized that that guy is just a. You know, an asshole who fails upward his entire goddamn life and right. uh and, and ruined Rory for a year. Yeah. I mean, counterpoint, he played like amazing golf during that stretch, strokes gain wise. He just I know strokes gain, strokes gain. I'm talking about <laughs> listen, I don't care about that. You know, I know. Listen, he, 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 this is a guy that listen, he's a top 20 player of all time. Yeah. If he absolutely. died tomorrow, that should only be judged on major performance. At this yeah. point. And and he was phenomenal in the majors last year outside of winning the damn thing. It was like, yeah, so I'll, again, I'll, from a I'll, I'll say, I'll say that Masters is sneaky backdoor. So the John Rye. Very sneaky backdoor. Very sneaky backdoor at the Masters. Out of contention. He was, he was not he was not relevant for, yeah. for one second in that tournament. And that and and remember the quote that he had after after that round. He said that was the most fun he's ever had playing Augusta. It's like, well. Yeah, they, was it the was it the most fun that you've ever had playing Augusta because you had zero chance of winning? It's it's the fact that he was free and he needs to take that same mindset in on Thursday. Yeah, well, that was him. two years ago, by the way. He missed. The cut. Oh, it was. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was two years ago. He missed a cut this year at Augusta, but then uh, you know was pretty yeah relevant at the other three, particularly the U.S. Open. He was here and there at, at Oak Hill and he dude he should he should have won the U.S. Open. Yeah, you should, he should play, play, so. fucking Will Zalatoris. Hits that banana hook on any other course on the goddamn planet, and he's fucking dead. You mean Wyndham Clark? Wyndham Clark, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Well, Zalatoris was Zalatoris was actually. Oh, did I say Zalatoris? 
Freudian slip. Cause that was the next guy I was going to bring up. Right. It's like, huh. if you're, if you're doing a, um, well, okay, actually real quick, let's do this guy. Yeah. Kind of a heat check on like the Justin Thomas's back. Right. No, thank you. Thank you. I, this guy is a, so for lack of a better term, mental midget. Like I don't trust him at all. He's, uh, you know me, I was fucking livid. The fact that he went to fucking Italy instead of Keegan, I was waving the European flag all around my fucking house. Fuck you, Zach Johnson. You get what you deserve. Took yeah. the wrong guys. I wanted I, Keegan I was, too. JT wasn't uh, good at the Ryder cup. No. Like he just wasn't, I don't know. No. People are going to. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, He's another one that is just mental with him. I like his ball striking numbers have turned good until this past weekend, right? He just can't putt. And I feel like it's another thing. And I don't know, man. I've never really been a JT guy. So I've never really liked him. He's kind of smug for me. And uh I don't I like to see that. I'm I'm pretty yeah. neutral. He's not like a dude that I'm yeah, I don't hate him. I don't like a him. lot of water for, but yeah. Um I, I think he's. I think he is an incredible iron player when he's on. I, I, oh, absolutely, I, dude! He could be in the bunkers too. He could be. He's the irons and the bunkers. He yeah, could be great the short best game. in the world. Yeah, I, I'm not gonna kill him because I think there was, you know, some play, noise playing with Tiger a little bit. Maybe. Yeah, of course. Just a too bit much of a pressure. Heat check. He had like five top sixes in a row heading into this. Yeah. The guy who's the obvious stock up for me is Zalatoris because, yeah. and even just. I almost, I'm not a big futures guy because I like to take in all of the information. Same. Like plus there's no value in it anymore. Right. But I was just listening to that Zalatoris um interview with Balionis or mm-hmm. Renner, whatever yeah. her name is now. Um, and Zalatoris was talking about how this is his favorite golf course on tour, and he just loves it yeah. so much more when the conditions are a little bit tougher and obviously the stats bear that out and i can give you a million data points based on his actual skill profile why this guy is best suited to be a major championship guy oh yeah but this feels like a brooks kepka light i'm not comparing him to brooks but i can see that but 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 he's a better a pedigree type of, yeah, way better a type, pedigree. A, t- a type of player that doesn't really do much on the PGA Tour outside of maybe Tory Pines, Bay Hill, and Riviera. And he even talked about this week. He was like, "It's all about peaking for the majors for me. It's all about peaking for the majors for me." And I said to myself, "I think I said oh, this when I did right. the preview with your co-host Steve. Like, yeah, yeah, I love Zalatoris, but like, I'm just going to take a wait and see approach. Absolutely. He's coming off a major, major, major surgery." This was the first moment where I was like, I think this guy should be, this guy can win the masters this soon. What is, what, what, how many times has he played? Is this going to be his third time or fourth? He's played four times. And the other thing, the other thing that I will mention about Zalatoris real quick is I, I gave this theory out to Wiley too on a show we did, but I'm seeing this in the numbers, but it, it checks the eye test too. I think it's very possible that when Zalatoris was injured and he couldn't take full swings, he maybe spent like a fair amount of time working on his short game and maybe yeah. even putting too. He's yeah. been a he's been great around the he's, greens every single he's start this year. Way better, like unbelievably around the greens. I guess really so. Maybe good. it's scar tissue yeah. for me when I watch him line up over a putt that's like four feet, and it's yeah. like. 
And I think it's just scar tissue for me. Like it's not, maybe not for him. Like, yeah, I, listen, I think he did great. I, and I was, I was the same way. Wait and see. Like I'm not fu- all these guys who were betting Zalatoris at the beginning of the year. Cause he had a good number. I was like, get fucked, dude. The guy's yeah. coming back up a huge surgery. He's got to show me something first. And he showed, dude, he's, he's literally trended in better in every single tournament since yeah. the beginning of the year. Yeah. So he absolutely can get out there when he seems to like the green complexes at Augusta too. So yeah, man. And like you said, like I, I never thought about that. Brooks light. That's, but and he has a much better pedigree than Brooks. Brooks like had to go coming, coming out of college and stuff. Like yeah, that. absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. So much better. Yeah. Huh. Very interesting. I like that. So hmm. a final, just to put a bow on this, because we got to do a little Mexico and then we're going to talk some Oscars at the end. But yeah. um, so who is who would be your pick right now? Oh. Like who? a month and a half out, we just saw Riviera, which I think I is a, like I said, it's this very strong indicator correlation between augusta so like a a good time to talk about the masters yeah i mean let me ask you this what did what did decky show you this weekend listen i just need to see it for a little bit longer um i i talked about this with steve again on our masters preview a lot of guys get a second masters like once yeah, it's almost the reverse, it's almost the reverse Rory scar tissue effect. Right. Something about when you, even guys that weren't as heralded masters champions, either get a second green jacket or just continue to play better at Augusta right. way longer right. than they should. Yeah. So and it I, seems, yeah, it I don't seems like he's over his injury. Yeah. I mean, it seems like he's right. over it. He was pounding the ball this week. Right. I mean, could Hideki have Bubba Watson's career? Of course, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like I know it's like I know it's like obviously recency bias, but listen, I love Decky. I fucking cashed a bunch of tickets with Decky, and it's just when I watched him, as far as like eye test goes, I was like, oh shit! Like watching him on Sunday, I was like, oh shit, this is this, he's he's back. He's there. Like yeah, he's pounding the ball. Cause that was the big thing last year. Why I was constantly fading him is because he was losing ball speed and losing swing speed. And it was clearly because of his neck. Um, so yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I think Decky has brought himself in the conversation. I think those odds are a little low for, as far as like futures go, who knows what it's going to be at that point. Could miss three, two cuts, you know, at that point. But I mean, unless I don't know. And this is, this is just me kind of wanting to, to, I think I, I want Rory and Rom in the last fucking group. And if Rory and Rom are in the last group, I will not care who wins, whether I have money on it or not. That is the best story for golf, period. End of story. That would be everybody on the planet would be watching fucking Augusta on Sunday. Yeah. I would put Brooks in that conversation too, right? Actually, you're right. Yep. Rom, Rom, Rory, uh, probably better outcome than brooks rory at this point yeah maybe i think so the recency of roms the recency around moving plus like God, i don't every, know listen i was every time a- every time brooks plays a major i guess rom's starting to get to this point too but every time brooks plays a major he's like battling becoming like the eighth greatest player of all time like isn't it wild it's like raw like if if brooks gets to six oh like can you imagine yeah i mean there's just so anyway i mean the live guys I don't have a beat on it yet, man. I don't um, either. I, I gotta. Uh, I've watched more live this season Me than too. I ever have in my life, and Me too. I still am really 
missing the data aspect of it. Um, it's so something I just got to get over. Ask around. Steve, man. Steve's fucking hand calculating that shit. He's got a he's got a, he's got a spreadsheet going. Just text Steve. Get it from Steve. Like because we did a couple live shows. Because just in case it goes that way, or if the, it goes like, listen, man, right. if people are going to ask me a question on who to bet on. I'm not just gonna. I, I need to have some sort of fucking. Right. Data How many times my... do they play before the Masters? They play in they... Jetta next, and then Jetta they, next. Are they going back after to that. Crooked Cat before the Masters? Yeah, I think so. It's not Crooked Cat this year. It's something else. Um, yeah, I think, I think it's Doral. Two more times. I think they play Doral the week before the Masters. Oh, maybe. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, yeah I, Trump I, property. I, I, yeah, I think you got to watch. I think you got to watch that Doral before the Masters because. Yeah. I don't. I have this weird feeling that Rom isn't going to win a major this year. Yeah, like, that makes sense. I mean, it's like, a big change. Yeah. you can tell he's you can tell he's not thrilled with his decision, but you can also tell that like, he hasn't lost his competitiveness. And I say this. I've said this about you should guy. have a chip on his shoulder, right? I mean, think about all the people that are like talking shit. Yeah, your career's over. You're playing yep. exhibition golf. Like, if we know Rom, that's going to motivate. But that's him. a guy who who maybe this is why I like Rom, right? So. He's a guy who like runs hot like I do. And if you're going to tell me I can't fucking do something, I'm going to run into that wall a thousand times until I finally get through that fucking wall. Yeah. And that is a detriment a lot of times, right? Like, yeah. like you run so hot and you focus so much on it. Like he lost, he's been losing, he's been cussing and shit. Like it's, it's hilarious. I love, I love watching him, but he also cold shanked one at the Vegas course. I don't know. I think, I think it might be a little too much upheaval in his normal life but dude fucking dude he's got a green jacket he's a goddamn two-time major winner he's it's really hard to high. go back to back that's what i'll say insanely hard to go back it's to back. really it hard to go once... back to back like like there's this again i pointed this out in the majors preview with steve there's a weird correlation of like winning a year after but it's really freaking hard to go back to back i think it's yep. like there's a lot of phil mickelson bubba watson Arnold Palmer did this like three times. Yeah. Jack Nicholas did this twice. Faldo did this. Tiger Woods did this. There's this weird correlation of you win and then Decky's the play, happy. man. Well, was, that's the argument for Scheffler is you win one year later. But yeah, I know. But I, I don't think Scheffler's where he needs to be at. So yeah. I don't know, maybe two years later, multiple yeah. master winner, Hideki Matsuyama. Dude, he's only 31. Yeah, he is only 31. That's what I said. It's like the Bubba Watson career arc. Like, yeah. that seems very attainable. Um, all right. We got to talk a little bit about Mexico. Okay. Um, I guess. Any, any takes on the course before we dig into the I don't. Sport? I don't hate the course as much as everybody else does. Like, I don't hate whatever. the course. Yeah. So, Steve, you know, Steve, he's like, he's he's just as bad as you with the golf snobbery. The uh <laughs> with, the, with the architects. Like, listen, listen I, I love you guys really, for it. I learn yeah, shit from both of you all the time. Yeah, and, I, and, I don't, I don't, I don't, I like object to this. You're a golf snob because no, 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 no. I don't, no, no, I didn't mean it like that. You are yeah. definitely a snob about architecture. You've literally drove by people's families. Uh, <laughs> I guess that's fair. I guess, I guess, I guess that's fair. I guess, that's but listen, fair. that's fine. Like, listen, you have a, you love good golf courses. So if something doesn't sit right with you, fucking burn it. I don't give a shit. You know what I mean? It's funny to me. Like, because I don't. Because I don't think about that stuff until you or Steve, when I'm listening to you guys, I'm like, oh, yeah, that is kind of fucking generic. Oh, yeah, that is kind of copycat. Oh, yeah, that is kind of lame. Like, it, you know, so I learned from you guys. I love it. Right. That's that's my point. Like, I feel yeah. like if you if you really love something and care about something, then you should have opinions on it. Absolutely. Like, if you don't care that like, uh, you know, for example, I don't really care about 
I don't know, French new wave cinema. Right. So, but like if somebody who is a film critic in France has like a strong take on French new wave cinema, I'm not going to sit here and be like, dude, fuck you for like having a strong opinion. If that's your like life's work and you're obsessed with it. Architecture is my life's work. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. There's nothing. I I don't mean it as a, I don't mean it as a, as an insult. Like I listen, you guys are fucking experts on shit that us morons fucking don't know about. And I like to learn it. It's fun to me. Like I, I, I just like learning something new that I love because I love golf. So the more I can learn about that, it's good for me. But I just know lots of people shit on the golf course because of the fucking how long it is and whatever the jungles. But listen, it's fine. The field strength is what's the fucking problem. I mean, yeah, kind of is what it is at this point. Like I don't know. Like the fact that Cam Champ can compete here is not a great, not a great sign for the golf course. He's so bad at golf. He's so bad at golf. I'm gonna die on that hill. He's so bad at golf and yet a good bet this week, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, yeah. Dude, what is he, 40 to one? <laughs> something like that. Yeah. You know what I was thinking about this morning? This is, we've had this awful year. Have you hit an outright this year? No. Oh, wait. I hit a, oh, I hit, um, what's his name? I hit, Neiman, I hit a live one. I hit Neiman. Neiman at live. Yeah. I, I kind of got lucky with Wyndham at Pebble. I think Ludwig beats him if they play another round. Probably. But, hey, I'm, I'm freaking taking it. Hey, man. Take it to the yeah. bank. Still counts. Yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't it be, and I know that Hideki has a lot of pedigree, but the guy was still 80 to one last week, which kind of continues the trend of, I'm so, I'm so annoyed. A, I didn't think about, I didn't even think about it. Yeah. I, he was part of the big DraftKings lineup that won me a lot of money in DraftKings, but I, nice. I didn't consider betting him. The point being every single week this year, the we're now six weeks into the season, 80 to one or higher. Okay. And to me, this is the week. I've been stubbornly going to the top of the board thinking this Same. trend's going to end. To yep. me, this is the week where it actually makes the most sense to fire on long shots. I mean, Rio 20 to 1 is insane behavior. Even Jaeger 22 to 1 is insane behavior. I think you can poke a tremendous amount of holes in Finau right now based on yep. his putter at, at 7 to 1, right? So bad. And so this is the week where it makes the most sense to bet a ton of long shots, which is what I did. And just as a cruel fuck you to golf betters, watch this be the week that like seven to one Finau wins. <laughs> yeah, Finau, Finau wins by fucking seven. Right, right, right. So, <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. So help me with some of these long shots. I mean, so the okay. first guy I bet was Vegas at 80 to one just because. And- I bet him too. Good, good no. number. I bet him at sixty six. Yeah, so I got him at waking eighty. Up, make waking up late on the West Coast. I kind of get kind of lose some of those great numbers. Yeah, I, yeah, number. no. And listen, I, I listen. I fall victim to that too because one, I now I do have legal betting, but it's only Hard Rock, and they their outrights are worse than my fucking locals. So I usually don't even bet. I don't bet outrights on Hard Rock. I bet them with my local ninety nine percent of the time. Yeah, yeah. It, it, long. I love Vegas. Speaking of Cam Champ, he fucking stole money from me. The, whatever tournament that was two years ago that he fucking won. Uh, when Vegas should have won it. Yeah, man. Long straight. Fucking why not? 80 to 1. He's fucking his pedigree is better than 90% of the guys that fucking in front of him. Fucking. Well, yeah, I'll give you two more guys in that range. What about yeah. what about Vincent Norman? Yeah, so I've heard and, I've and heard his Sam name. Stevens. I bet both those guys. I bet Vegas 66, Vincent Norman 80, and Sam Stevens 90. So I I don't know a whole lot about Norman. Make the case for Norman. Stevens, I can see. Stevens, I can see. I don't know a whole lot about Norman, though. He's Ludwig's roommate. No, Norman's one. Norman's won now both on the DP World Tour and 
the PGA Tour. He won. When the one fuck of those, did he win on the PGA? He he won the Barbasol or something. Oh, that doesn't count. At the Irish Open's another national open. Yeah, Vincent Norman is he's top fifteen in carry distance, driving distance, driver heavy courses with a low miss fairway penalty. Okay, proximity two hundred yards plus. Past Paul, um, finished 18th last year, gained strokes in all four major categories, five strokes ball striking, 16th at Corrales, too, in his only appearance. Uh, I'm going to write that down. Did miss the cut at Phoenix, but he gained 1.3 off the tee and one on approach. Okay. Um, I can write that down. What about about Mr. Royce? What about Stallings? Uh, Nah, nah. I didn't do Stallings. I didn't do Stallings. I get it. He's kind of a unit, but... I didn't do Stallings. I did. Um, I'll just lay out. I'll give you all the guys yeah, I bet right now uh, because my card's done. Uh, I bet yeah. Pendrith 33 to one. Uh, okay. What do you think? You don't like Pendrith? No, I don't. I just don't like him. Like, I just like, he's a guy who I, and, so it's probably good for you that I'm not betting on him. Cause as soon as I bet on him, he misses the fucking cut. What about Davis seen. Thompson? 45 to one. So I like Davis Thompson. I haven't written down. Oh, so you got 40. So I got 40. So feel better. You got a better number. I like Davis Thompson's. A, I mean, this guy was the number he's one trending, in the world. Yeah, he's, he's playing, playing really great. Well. He finished fifteenth at at Phoenix from the wrong side of the weather draw too, and he gained four point two. Oh, I didn't even know he was on the wrong side of the weather draw. That's what I'm here for. I actually looked at. Oh. it was a three stroke advantage. Like at the, oh, it was ridiculous. Yeah, the Phoenix numbers can be deceiving. Like I, yeah. I was curious on the guys that whether they, you know, what side they were on because I think it yeah. plays into the story at Phoenix. Okay, um, all right. So Doug I'm with you Gim, on that one, Doug Gimme the one. Oh, you got 60? So, so you got so don't I got 50 to one for Gim. Same thing. Yeah, still good. Gim's yeah. playing great. I know, but in my brain, this wasn't a good course fit for him because I just think of him at TPC courses, right? And I don't know if that's just burning right. my head from the players. And he's not a powerful driver of the ball, but he no. is a great long iron player. Okay. All right, cool. So I'm good with that. Um, Vegas, I mentioned Norman, I mentioned. Yep. What about Stevens at 90? So I like Stevens. Like uh, so uh, what's funny is I I might have just skimmed by him and not fucking seen it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah, I like I like his player profile for it, no doubt. But the best I can get on him right now on my local is 70. Yeah, you have friends in New York. Why don't you just, yeah, hit, right, up, I do. just I do. hit up I Steve? Do. Steve have gets weird. Done, have he you worries done, about, like, tax issues and shit. I'm like, dude, relax. <laughs> have you guys done your show yet? Uh, for the betting show? No, not yet. Okay. Yeah, uh, Stevens has been... Really, really awesome. He uh right. on pass pollen too. He has a third at oh. Corrales. He's another guy, top 20 off the tee on driver heavy courses, low miss fairway penalty, carry distance, Love driving it. distance, right. long iron play. Pass I can get behind that one. Great on slow greens too. And then longer odds. I bet Grayson Sig at 120 and Carson Young at 110. All right. So whatever. Carson Young are producer cam is just fucking obsessed with he he like he's literally following around courses he interviewed him so it's almost out of i'm sick of hearing about carson young uh that i don't bet him anymore uh, um but grayson sig i'm actually golfing with a guy uh wednesday on a charity tournament uh that played with him and he was actually spo- oh so here's a great story he's supposed to play with will zalatoris but he got called up from the corn ferry tour to play the pga event whatever will's first pga event was and uh, so his his golfer was supposed to be Will Zalatoris. So he ended up playing with Grayson Sig. Uh, my guy who played at Alabama, uh, it, he said it, what Sig could do with the golf ball just yeah. blew his fucking mind. Yeah. I love Sig this week. 
Um, I like that. I think your producer's on to something with Young, too. Like, Young finished 15th here last year, gaining seven strokes, ball striking one point. I I just played well in Phoenix, too. I just just don't want him to be right because I'll never hear the fucking end of it. Does that make sense? Yeah. For my own personal mental health. Yeah. Yeah. I guess if Carson Young wins the Mexico Open, I guess that is worthy of a Vic lap. Yeah. Sig as well, 33rd and 18th here. He was another guy that got the wrong side of the draw in Phoenix and still hit the ball okay. Really good long iron player, too. Great long iron player. Yeah. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay, anyone else you want to throw out and we'll talk movies? No, let's just talk movies. Okay, what? so you've said you've seen... Eight of the ten best no, picture so nominees? Seven. Okay, so let's run through them. Let me pull them up right here. Okay. One, two, three. Four, so here I'm gonna pull them up too. Six. Because I know I'm gonna fuck one up. Are there nine or ten? There's ten. Okay. So what the fuck is it? There it is, best picture. All right. So we've both seen Oppenheimer. Yep. Right? We've both seen Oppenheimer. We've both seen Barbie. Yep. Have you seen The Holdovers? Yes. Okay. Both seen The Holdovers. Killers of the Flower Moon? Yes. Okay. Four. Have you seen uh, Maestro? Yes. Okay. So five. So we've seen five together so far. Have you seen Past Lives? Yeah. I thought it was excellent. Oh, oh okay. Interesting. All right. So we'll talk about that. You didn't so, love Past Lives? I did not. No, oh, I thought Past I Lives was excellent. I thought it was okay. Okay. So uh, six have you Past seen, Lives. Have you seen Anatomy of the Fall? Yeah. Th- this is my favorite movie of the year. So I love that fucking movie. The ones I haven't seen is American Fiction and Poor Things and Zone of Zone of Interest. I think only okay, Zone so, of Interest. So we've all we've seen the same seven and haven't seen the same three. This is perfect. 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 So okay. So you do love you, past lives. I thought past lives was a beautiful film. So I thought it was, fine. I thought it was I thought it I thought it was a movie about um can you reconnect like lost kind of what you what you experience in your initial 
first connection with a person yeah and can you recreate that is that translatable when the circumstances are different right and i think it's i think it's just as much a movie about like circumstances versus feelings and also the insecurity that somebody else in a relationship feels when they may be on to the fact that you have a deeper connection with somebody else. I think there's a lot of meat on that bone. There is a lot of meat on that bone, especially even the way they open up the movie when the, the two people you don't see are talking about their people watching and they're trying to figure out who those three people at the end of the bar are. Right. So my thing was, I think the story would have worked better if they didn't like video chat or whatever the hell it was like when they were going to college, you know what I mean? And, and like, they were talking about it and they cut it off because it was getting too deep. And then they went off and led their lives. And so I guess, I guess I'm at a point in my life where if and I've actually had this happen, right? Not me personally, but I had a buddy of mine um, who I'm no longer friends with. He was, I don't know, fucking 40, like somewhere around 40, somewhere between 38 and 44 left his fucking wife and four children for his high school sweetheart. And it's like chasing the glory days type thing. And maybe that's what, maybe that's what skews my opinion of this. I'm like, what are you fucking doing? This is the dumbest shit ever. Of course you don't have yeah, any. But I did that, but I did that too. But I did that no, too. No, you didn't. No, it's not even close to the same. You're not fucking, you're not 15 years down the line married to somebody else. <laughs> you oh, know I'm, I'm talking about, I, I, but I, you know, I'm with and, and will marry my high school sweetheart. Right. I know. No, no. That's so, And we reconnected and we reconnected later in life. So I guess maybe we're looking at it from two completely different prisms right because i'm looking at it like because if you were 15 years down the line with somebody who you created a life with and then you're and it's not even a high school sweetheart this is like a middle school sweetheart in the movie right fucking 10 years old oh, he left his he left his life for it to to pursue this childhood flame yeah which is wild but, but it's only on a visit he knows he's going back yeah i think that's i mean i think it's a lot about I'm pulling up my notes here because I actually wrote this. I, I watched this movie and I, there were things. I'm such a nerd. I sometimes I'll watch a movie and I'll I'll write I'll write things down so I don't forget <laughs> them. But one of the things I I wrote was, well, it's a great sliding doors movie, right? It's a lot about like yeah. questioning. It's questioning the That's concept of, you know, can you have multiple soulmates? It's a lot about like circumstances and yes. what hap- what happens when the person you love is with the butterfly a, effect yeah is living a completely different life yep and what is the love that we should choose is it rational or passionate love and i think that was kind of the ethos of that movie was her new relationship made so much sense with her life and fit but it's life. my my but my point connected with that is it's not context- connection it's not new this. anymore She's been married for over 10 years with this guy. She knew this kid from ages seven to 10. And I guess I just couldn't like, like it would be so irrational. It's just so yeah, but, irrational. But, but, but it's also, you know, she, that was the whole thing that made the language part interesting about it. Oh, yeah. That's why I like that Agreed. scene about the insecurity of her husband being like, I want to learn Korean so I could just hear what you dream yeah. because- yeah. I can't understand. You don't, you don't dream in English. Yeah. yeah, you don't dream in English. And again, all right, we spent we spent a ton of time on this movie. Yeah. Listen, it's fine. I'll rewatch it through your lens because <laughs> maybe I'm just older and grizzled and, and fucking like because I understand such. To me, I just couldn't get around the irrationality of it, and that's just me being old and grumpy. Did uh, you? Did you? So, uh, what was your favorite? 
What do you think should win? I think Oppenheimer is going to win. But what was your? I think Oppenheimer is going to win. I do. I fucking loved Maestro. Maestro's good. I did. I loved really good. I just didn't understand what were they trying to say in that movie because I watched the movie with my mom, and then I spoke to my dad about it too, and they were like, "Man." In New York, in the 80s and 90s, when we lived in New York, Leonard Bernstein was like this larger-than-life figure. Life character. I was, yeah, yeah, I was expecting this massive, uh, big documentary on like his life's accomplishments and his works, and this was like a, a marital drama about yeah. what it's what it's like to be in a relationship with a gay man. Like that's right. what the that's what the movie was about. It was absolutely the movie but, felt all- like it was more about her than it was about him. So I almost, I, so maybe I can see that. That's, that's actually a really, I, so I think she should win fucking the Oscar. Yeah, she was best. amazing. Oh, yeah. She was Mulligan's fucking great. Awesome. And I think, uh, I think Cooper, Cooper transformed himself for that role. I, I like, listen, I think he's great. He's come a fucking long way since Wedding Crashers, right? Yeah. Um, so I just love the, I love the way it was shot. And maybe it's the cinematography of it, right? The way they kind of went back and forth. It was a be- It was beautifully shot. The music was fucking amazing, obviously. I just, you, you know what? I think it is actually more about her. Now that you say it, like it's about how she had to deal with it. And I just thought it was really well done. Listen, I love Oppenheimer. I think it's going to win. It's probably, it should win. But I think Maestro was my, my second favorite. What about Anatomy of the Fall? Do you think the, do you think she did it? I do think she did it. Absolutely. It's so interesting it. to me. But everybody changes. Did. It changes with every aspect that they do it. I'm like, oh, wait, no, they did it. Oh, wait, no, he did it. The kid did it. No. Nope. So- so Natalie thought that the wife did it. Um, my friend Kyle thought that the wife did it. I did not oh. think that the wife did it. What I do you think did it? Well, I think that it was, I thought it was purposefully ambiguous. I think the movie works best because it's open to interpretation. And okay. my, like my, my read on the movie was that it doesn't actually matter whether she physically pushed him or not. The story that it was potentially trying to tell was that she did kill him, but maybe she killed him indirectly. Right. Right. So maybe he threw himself out the window. Maybe he threw himself out the window because of what it was like living with her. Dude, I didn't necessarily need to make the physical push. Correct. I, so I love that theory because I ran, I said this almost verbatim fucking to my wife when we were watching it. Like almost verbatim. I was like, maybe he was just so sick of it. He threw himself out the window. Right. And so it gets into this weird thing where it's about like, did she physically push him or not? And I think the movie's trying to say, maybe that's irrelevant. Right. It doesn't Mm. fucking matter. Okay. Yeah. So, so that was my, that was my third favorite. I love that movie. I like three of them. I thought, so I I wasn't, like I said, I wasn't crazy about past lives. Killers of the Flower Moon. So I guess I like four of them. Killers, Killers of the Flower Moon too long like it was fine i struggled with it too and it was and I, fine I, I struggled with it too and i was so surprised because i am such a massive scorsese fan oh me too and i'm actually not a huge nolan fan like I, i'm kind me of either. Bit a little bit lower on Nolan me too movies i'm exactly the same so i was going in i think inception is the most overrated movie in fucking Agreed. history i think inception's very overrated as well <laughs> I, I i didn't like tenet either no um, tenet sucked yeah i didn't like tenet either and so i was going into those two 
thinking in my head, you're going to love Killers of the Flower yep. Moon, and you're going to think that Didn't Oppenheimer is Hero's my favorite actor ever. Yeah. yeah. And I kind of had the opposite experience. I was like, wait, I think Oppenheimer is just way better than Killers of the Flower Moon. Way better. It's not even close. It sucks. The Because uh, I love Scorsese. I thought, listen, I thought it was fine. It was good. It's nowhere near Scorsese's best. Nowhere near. Not even. I thought. I actually thought De Niro did a really, really good job. Because typically yeah. when I watch a movie and I see De Niro, I'm like, ah, there's De Niro. But the way he did his accent and changed it up a little bit and how he was just, he was evil incarnate without thinking he was doing anything wrong. He just thought that these people had a predestined fate, that they were all going to die. And that, listen, if they're all going to die, I might as well get rich off it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. Made I, friends with them, but not really. I don't know, man. It was, it was, it was weird. I thought the New York did a great job, but I thought it was too long. And I understand yeah. what Scorsese was trying to do. I trying think to this say. was, I think this was a, a really uh, meaningful and passionate and important story to tell. I think that you can kind of quibble with whether or not he's the right person to be telling that story. Like I know Natalie oh. read the book. A lot of people that read the book talked about how it wildly, even just the point of view wildly deviated from the movie that he decided to make. I heard, I heard, I've heard the same thing. Right. I didn't read the book though. I don't, I didn't read the book. And to be honest with you, like I'm good on that story. Yeah, I'm good. After the movie, I'm fine. Yeah. I don't really have an interest in reading the book, but. So it it is crazy that it, it did happen around the same time where they burned down the entire uh, black city in, in Oklahoma. Like that's insane. Like the fact that all, both of these atrocities were happening all at the same time. It's fucking yeah. wild. Yeah. Um, what'd you think of Barbie? I love Barbie. Barbie was great. Yeah. Barbie was fine, dude. Like, was good. like, yeah, listen, I love Barbie. I watched it. Uh, my girls also are at different times in the movie theaters. We, we finally rented it at home. Uh, dude, I thought it was great. I think, uh, yeah, I mean, anybody, any guy who got there, Shit, been out of shape about it is just, is just exhausting. You're a fucking loser. Like yeah. I don't, I don't know what to, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. If you're, if you're yeah. not able to laugh at yourself, like I, I saw it in theaters with my girlfriend who was literally making fun of me the entire time. Like, yeah, you <laughs> fall into this trope. Yep. You do this. Like when Ryan Gosling's like swinging his driver around yes! the, the Mojo Dojo Casa House, and he yes. is uh, he he's watching The Godfather, and he's yep. like. He's like, hey, can I explain to you guys the Godfather? She looks at me and she's like, Do you realize this is what it's like watching every sports game and movie with you ever trying to man my wife this stuff to me? Said the exact same shit to me. She's like, This is what it's like to watch a movie with you or fucking if you can, if you do this with you. If you can't laugh at that stuff, yeah, you I thought laugh. it was I, I thought the scene where um where Gosling's playing the guitar on the beach and he's like yeah. I want to push you. I was dying yeah. of laughing. It was one of the funniest scenes I've seen in a movie all year. I think so too. And and I just uh, so and it's funny because look, obviously I got four daughters, right? So I do love the female empowerment message. Uh, you're message you're big time outnumbered. Yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah, dude. Yeah, I'm five to one. Yeah, forget about it. Like it, yeah. it is what it is. Like, dude, I've been buying fucking tampons and ice cream for fucking twenty <laughs> years at the grocery store. It does, nothing affects <laughs> me, dude. The uh, I walk. I'll go to the. I'll go to the cash register with a bottle of wine, some tampons, and a fuck. <laughs> and eat ice cream. I'm like, yep, that's right. I'm going it's home. My life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
It's what, buddy? It is what it is. But yeah, I love the female empowerment message of it. My girls loved it. And my little girls don't understand all the nuances of it, but they yeah. do understand the broader theme of a girl can do anything. I don't have to be fucking picture perfect Bobby. Right. And like, I think, listen, I think that helps the young females. Like, I just think it does. Like, watching, watching what social media does to my two young girls and my two older girls. I mean, I have a 20 year old and one's about to turn 17 tomorrow. You know, watching them deal with shit i didn't have to deal with as a kid and i mean the girls my age had to deal with like cosmos and all this other shit and but you could go home and kind of get away from it now there's no getting away from it it's TikTok. it's fucking instagram it's fucking whatever the new fucking app is and there's just constant the fucking awful kardashians like putting this shit out and just putting this on the stereotype that yeah or this pedestal scrutiny never realistic expectations yeah influencers the plastic surgery the worst uh, yeah the filters my my poor girls have to deal with it and and look as a dad it's it's tough right like look they're all my little princesses and you know i build them up as much as i can and they love the movie um i'm a fucking feminist at this point i used to be a chauvinist right before i was before i knew right but now i'm like yeah fucking yeah, like I love that movie. I did. Well, I, I well, think it's a good message to them. Yeah. My wife loved it. My oldest loved it. My littles loved it. That's it. It, it kind of warmed my heart too. I gotta say. Yeah. And I think yeah, I think you're such. A, I think you're such a hater. If you like, I, there were so many bad takes around that movie from from insecure. So, dude, one of my best. One of my best friends texted. Like I was like, I just watched Bobby. It was good. He's like, oh, it's like I hated. It. I was like, did you watch it? He's like, I made it through 15 minutes. I was like, shut up. Like, shut well, up. what I think was good about it too. Why I thought it was. Imp- impressive is because obviously it was a movie that had real ideas, right? Like it was a movie where she was genuinely trying to make a statement about society. Right. And she also had the wherewithal to know that in 2024, it's really hard to make an ideas movie and get a lot of people to see it. And she was able to put genuine, real, legitimate, important ideas in a movie for kids right yeah. and and yeah. and that's and that's why i thought it was so impressive is i think a seven-year-old would have just as much fun at yep. this movie as a 47 year old they did i'm telling that, you yeah that's what i thought was impressive about it is she found a way it's almost like she knew if i want to make a movie about ideas that are important to me i almost have to make it a Barbie movie, a a Barbie movie, or nobody's going to see it. So she did this thing where Barbie becomes this phenomenon, but she actually got her ideas across to so many more people than she ever would have if she just made a, you know, a quiet adult drama. Yeah, absolutely. No, a hundred percent. And I think Rhea Perlman was fucking great Yeah, at the end. I fucking love that. And like, she's like, like, I know, like, she's like, nobody can be Barbie. Like it was just a great, I I know this is, was a movie about celebrating women, but Gosling was fucking killer. Oh, it was fucking great. dude. Gosling was unbelievable in that movie. The uh, the Asian guy was hilarious too. The fucking, um, yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Every scene he was in made me fucking laugh. Yeah. The, uh, the holdovers was good. I don't think it should be, I don't think it should be nominated for best picture. Giamatti can get best actor for that. Like fine. He was great with the, he was great. I I love, I'm a Giamatti guy though. Yeah, and I'm a boarding school guy, so I had a. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So I was excited about the movie because it's a movie about boarding school. Yeah, and I just don't know if it totally landed the plane. But this was this was boarding school before you were alive. This was fucking 1970s boarding school. Boarding school in, in like yeah. 
in in New England, like where like that's where well, I went to boarding school. I know you went in Connecticut, right? Yeah, Northwest Connecticut. Yeah. You can so get to Mass. You-, you can get to Mass in fifteen minutes from where my boarding school was. Okay, yeah, that's Western Mass. That doesn't count. The yeah. uh, <laughs> the um that might as well be fucking like like Barrington, like Barrington, Western Mass. Yeah, anything anything west of Boston is just like I have no idea what's happening. Um, but yeah, I dude, I thought it was good. I thought it was funny. Like his New England accent was really good as far as like the rich New England accent goes, and yeah. I just thought his character was really good. Like he, he, uh, like he fucked up and he runs into that guy, uh, in downtown Boston, the guy yeah. he went to have it with yeah. like that scene to me is so like, so good. The yeah. kid rolls with it. Yeah. He rolls with it. Like, I love that scene. I love Giamatti. I think he should have won fucking years ago. Yeah. We're both uh, billions guys. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But the That's ending it. of billions was a travesty. I know, I know. And I texted you at the beginning of the series. I was like, oh, it's back. No, it wasn't I know. Back. My mom liked it too. Like, I just feel like they totally ran out of steam. They did. Remember, Listen, like, Billion Season One so cooked. Good. So good. So good. Billion Season One was so freaking good. So good. Right, um, okay. Anything I got to go. Well, yeah. Now you got to hard out, right? I got I to gotta podcast in three minutes. So, what do you got to plug? Nothing. Just follow me on Twitter, Boston Square Cap or Golf Game of Podcast. That's it. That's all I do, man. What's your schedule though for podcasts these days? Like, uh, so like Steve random, I try to, yeah. So, uh, Matt Gannon does our DFS now. Um, and me and Steve do the betting shows on Tuesday. The uh, betting we'll shows the pre- on Tuesday now. Betting shows on Tuesday. Steve, DFS is on Monday. Steve, Steve reached out to me about doing why do you do the DFS on Tuesday? The no, DFS, they do the DFS on Monday. No, the DFS should be on Tuesday. Listen, man, then you get better ownership. I know. I know. So I think I think some of the people are still thinking about like being first out. And that makes I sense. made that argument when we when we made it. Yeah, that makes sense. Like when I when, that. I when we were doing both shows, we were just doing both shows last year. I, I was like, I think it should be the opposite. But yeah. because the same thing, like I need more data, I need to get better better weather, better ownership projections, all that shit. But well, that I will deal. uh I will be uh Steve already asked me to come on for the players. So oh, yeah, I know you're gonna I be will. dude. I'm going for three in a row with the players, baby. Yeah, I would I would join you at the players. I'm sure after listening to this podcast, this is Steve's Steve's nightmare. Nightmare. I'm gonna I'm gonna, hey, I'm, can, I'm gonna come in and and be like Capper, let's let's talk let's talk anatomy of the fall. Did she do it? Steve's let's like, go. Steve's let's like go. trying to keep it on the rails, trying to get us to talk about the nine K. I know. Steve gets so bad when I kick it off the rails. And so he texted me tonight. He's like, I think me and Andy are on the same guys. I was like, I hope we don't talk very much Mexico. <laughs> yeah. All right, Capper. Good to see you, my friend. We'll do it again soon, buddy. Later. Later. All right. That is it for the podcast. Special thanks to Run Pure Sports. Special thanks to the Rabbit Hole and Betsperts Golf for all of the numbers. We will be back next week. I do not know if we are going to be able to do a Sunday morning podcast. I'm going to be out of town. I'm going to be traveling. I'm going to be in Las Vegas next weekend. Haven't made the decision if I'm going to bring my recording equipment. Um, So stay tuned for that. If you do not see a Sunday morning podcast, we will absolutely be back breaking down the Cognizant Classic on this podcast feed on Tuesday morning. If you want to check out more of my content, rumpiersports.com, promo code Andy to get you that discount. Enjoy the golf this weekend. Uh, Good luck with your bets, and we will see you back on this podcast feed next week. Cheers. If I ventured in the slipstream. 
Between the viaducts of your dream Where a mobile steel rims crack And the dead shed the back road stop